quantum computing fundamentally is the best way to process information based on the laws of physics as we know them. I had constructed what I thought of as the generalization of the universal Turing machine. Can an astonishingly powerful new realm of computation be found within the quantum world? Will researchers ever realize the goal of what they call quantum supremacy? And what would it mean for our society if they did? From its fundamental building blocks to the ultimate goal of a truly universal quantum computer, join me, Oxford Professor of Philosophy Peter Millikan, as I explore this and many other questions on the Future Makers podcast. Available today from wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you. This is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health Podcast, and I have uh, Catherine Fantazzi. She's the CEO and co-founder of Apollo. Uh, the website is ApolloNeuro.com. Neuro is N-E-U-R-O. So, Kat, thanks for coming. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I see the premise is um, you guys are working with uh, people that have burnouts. So, can you talk a little bit about what you know? What is burnout? I, I guess. You know, 30 years ago, they would probably call it a nervous breakdown or something, but you know, what is burnout, first of all? Well, so, yeah, burnout is actually yesterday, the World Health Organization came out and uh, listed burnout as uh, a medical syndrome. Uh, and essentially what burnout is, is uh, chronic stress at work that makes it so, it sounds really bad, but I think a lot of us have experienced it which is, uh, you know, you're exhausted, you have a hard time focusing at work. Maybe when you are at work, you get distracted or you feel overwhelmed or you just, there's so many things coming, your, coming at you that you have a hard time focusing on one particular thing or getting what you want to get done, done, because there's so many distractions. And then maybe when you get home, you have a hard time falling asleep because you're stressed out. Uh, and in the short term, you know, burnout is brain fog or distraction or not feeling well. But over the course of time, when you chronically do that to yourself, when you're chronically stressed out, you burn out, which actually ends up predisposing you to conditions like insomnia and anxiety and uh, even pain. 
And so what's going on, it's, you know, we tend to, in our culture, particularly in the States, we tend to blame the individual and we say, well, you're just not controlling your stress well enough. But there's actually a bottom-up thing that's going on in the body, which is that we're not designed <laughs> for, uh, you know, we're not designed to live in the modern world, right? The modernity and the way we live has rapidly evolved and the human body evolves very quickly. We're great adapters, but we're not that quick. And so our physiology is trained to respond to real threats like a bear. And so your body is not designed to interpret. And what I mean by that is, you know, the bear shows up, your heart rate goes up, all the blood goes into your extremities and you get away from that bear. But then the bear goes away. <laughs> and so as a result, your heart rate goes back to normal and you go about, you know, foraging or whatever you were doing. Um, but now our bodies are interpreting our email and our cell phone messages our phone calls and our texts and our pings as, as bears. And as a result, our bodies from the bottom up are getting chronically tilted into a stress response um, that makes us sick in the long term. What are some of the, um, the medical and physical manifestations of burnout? Is it at various stages? Like, how can you characterize them? Well, so, you know, burnout can be the brain, you know, burnout, the way that they assess burnout is, you know, being disengaged feeling like you're checked out, right? You're there, but you're not there. Um, you have a hard time focusing and you can't sleep well, and maybe you feel agitated or overwhelmed. And I think what designates burnout from a bad day is that that happens a lot, you know, more times than not, that's how you feel. That's when someone is technically burned out. I think what Apollo's here for is not necessarily just to treat burnout, but also to prevent it. Uh, and so what we're on a mission to do is to take neuroscience discovery and help people through our software and our, uh, and our wearable hardware to basically be able to feel calmer at work and to improve their focus and to be able to sleep easier at night um, so that they never get burned out in the first place. But people who are burned out, uh, Apollo can really help alleviate some of those symptoms by making it easier to um, bring the body back into balance more quickly. How long does, I know it probably depends on the person, but when someone feels like they're burned out, they, when they talk about themselves in that way, how long has it been coming? Months, years, and what's typical? Oh, it really depends on the person. But if you think about, you know, the modern worker, I mean, we live in a world where we're always tuned in, right? We have email all the time. We have phone calls all the time. And as a result, and so a lot of us work all over the world or work with distributed teams. And so we end up working with people that are all different time zones or we're traveling a lot, um, which messes up our circadian rhythms and the balance of our life. And so it really depends on the person, but people can burn out pretty quick. Uh, and some people, you know, they can soldier on, but you can function being burned out for quite a while before, before it really turns into a, something that's going to cause um, serious problems for you for some people. But the quality of life uh, is really disturbed. You know, if you think about how things were before, you know, the internet, <laughs> the cell phones, is even if you worked a real long job, you know, you left at eight o'clock, you still went home and had a time to unwind. And I think the issue now is that there really isn't a, a breaking point between work and home. And the lines are blurred in such a way that people feel like they are constantly thinking about work, even when they're not at work. And that's great for creativity. Coming up with new ideas and being engaged isn't a bad thing. But when you're dreading it, 
because what you're thinking about is emails and text messages and did you get back to whoever it was quick enough. Um, you kind of cloud your brain in such a way that you can't have that creative thought or that productivity or that new way of looking at or solving a problem that is what businesses really need to succeed and what really brings us all a lot of value. So tell me about uh, Apollo. What's, what's, the, um, what's it like and what does it do? Oh, so Apollo is a software platform, some mobile app, and a wearable hardware that you wear on your wrist or your ankle. Uh, and what Apollo does is it sends vibrations to the body uh, that are felt through the skin that tell the limbic system that your email is not a bear. And so what that means is um, when you meditate or when you deep breathe or when you practice mindfulness, your body enters a resonant state between the heart and the lungs. And when that happens, you relax uh, and your heart rate and your breathing even out. Uh, and as a result, you can focus better and you can fall asleep more easily. And we all know about these things. So what Apollo does is it really replicates the benefits of those practices and amplifies the benefits of those practices, but without the user having to do anything other than put the device on. Um, so it's a small wearable, it's a little bit bigger than an Apple Watch, uh, and it's been proven out in two clinical trials at the University of Pittsburgh. It was originally developed at the University of Pittsburgh with the purpose of being able to help people um, from the bottom up really uh, be more resilient uh, and be able to get better sleep and focus better. And uh, in those clinical trials, it's been shown to improve cognitive performance and accuracy under stress by up to 25% and to improve a heart rate variability, which is a key indicator of uh, your overall, your body's overall resilience and recovery from stress. So your Apple Watch and Fitbits and other wearables track HRV, but they don't improve it. What it is measuring is how well rested you are and how physically fit you are, um, how quickly you can bounce back. And what ends up happening when you don't sleep well and you're chronically stressed out is your HRV goes down. And Apollo has been demonstrated in uh, double-blind randomized clinical trials to improve HRV under stress. Well, what's important about heart rate variability? I've heard about it, but why is it, I mean, what is it? Why is it important to have a, a moderate level of it? So having, so HRV, is just a measure of how quickly your heart rate and your breathing adjust to stress. And so if you think about it, um, having high HRV means you're maximally adaptable. It means that you can bounce back from stress really quickly. Uh, means that you can, you're physically fit and you're well recovered, right? You're well rested, you're energized. Um, if you don't sleep well, if you are stressed out all the time, if you um, just don't feel good, you can have low HRV. And having low HRV periodically isn't a big deal. It just means you're not feeling very well that day. But having low HRV over time is a sign that your body isn't fully recovering from the stress that you're under, whether that's physical or mental. And so having low HRV is simply an indicator that your body's not doing that well. And so what Apollo does is it sends these vibrations, which your brain interprets as safety. It tells you uh, much like if you are feeling stressed out and someone you love or care very much about holds your hand and says, hey, it's going to be okay, it makes you feel better because it signals to the brain that you're safe. And when you feel safe, your heart rate evens out and your breathing evens out, and it makes it easier for you to focus and to fall asleep. And what we've shown is that people who use Apollo perform better cognitively under stress. They can focus better and attend better. They have greater uh, control over their attention, and they actually fall asleep much faster. 
Um, and one of the things that we've shown over time is that they can improve their HRV over time. So people get these effects within minutes using the Apollo. Um, they notice them very quickly, um, but they can track it over time in the app to see that their HRV is in fact improving as they use as they use Apollo. So how does it do that? And why does it do that? Why does it have these effects? Huh? So the reason it does that is is because of the touch receptors, right? So there's many ways that you can calm your body down from a top-down perspective, right? So people meditate, um, they do yoga, they do mindfulness activities, breathing exercises, and these are tried and true ways to improve the body's uh, resilience and to improve focus and to manage anxiety and to help improve sleep. Um, the challenge with a lot of these activities is that they're hard to do in the moment that you need them. For instance, if you're having a really hard time in a boardroom, you're not going to start meditating. <laughs> also, um, if you're already really stressed out, physiologically, it's really hard to engage in those activities because your heart rate is already high, your breathing is already shallow and fast, and you have to take that extra effort to get a hold of that to be able to uh, even your body and your mind out so you can focus on what you're trying to do. And so what Apollo does is it approaches this, thing, this uh, method, but from a different avenue. So what it does is it uses these slow, soothing vibrations, which your body feels almost like an ocean wave on your skin. And when you feel it, it sends signals to the emotional cortex in your brain that signals safety. And so when you're stressed out, the fear center in your brain is active. That shuts down your emotional, slows activity down in your emotional cortex. Um, it sends all the blood to your extremities. It, um, it disrupts activity in your normal digestion, your normal heart rate, your normal breathing. But when you feel safe, when you feel relaxed, all of that comes back into balance. So what it's doing is it's by signaling the body that it's in a safety state, your body naturally comes back into its normal homeostasis more quickly. So your breathing evens out, your heart rate evens out, you feel calmer. And as a result of feeling calmer, people are able to cognitively perform much better and are able to get rest more easily. Well, when does it stimulate you? How does it know the appropriate time to do it? Or is it just continuously do it for a period of time? So uh, it's, there's multiple ways to use Apollo. One is very intention-based. If someone uh, uses the app to focus and they select how long they're going to be working and want to use the device. Um, similarly, for sleep, they can say, I want to fall asleep for an hour. And the device turns on and plays uh, a program that works for their body to, um, to help them fall asleep. Uh, there are learning mechanisms within the software. So, for instance, it can get, detect when you're, um, when you're waking up from sleep and be able to apply stimulation so that you don't have to use your phone to have the device turn on. It just learns when you're waking up and helps soothe you back to sleep more quickly. And also, it can detect when you're supposed to be waking up and help wake you up um, by stimulating, uh, sending these vibrations to help wake you up so that perhaps you don't have to wake up with an annoying alarm clock. Um, the device is also, the software is integrated in with Apple HealthKit, so we can pull in data from your biometrics to learn which frequencies work best for you to curate the experience for the user. Okay, so if you're stressed and it censors that somehow, then it stimulates you to calm down. I don't know, what if you, uh, wouldn't that, I don't know, maybe hurt your body's ability to respond to stress because it does it for you or... I mean, how can well, it be so used in the best way or the wrong way? So Apollo does not sense when you're stressed and turn on automatically to help you not be stressed. In the first version of Apollo, which will become available in fall, what it will do is detect when you're waking up. When you're, For instance, if you're one of these folks that wakes up in the middle of the night, 
It will detect when you're waking up and help soothe you back to sleep. It can also show you from a data perspective when you're getting stressed and how the Apollo affected your body when you were stressed. But it isn't uh, uh, it isn't outsourcing your own abilities to a device such that it responds to you automatically so that you don't have to respond to your own stress. I want to make sure that's clear. Um, but the way Apollo works uh, is actually by increasing the body's resilience. So to your point, rather than taking control away from a user, um, it actually is empowering the user to have more control over their own body. So for instance, when you deep breathe or when you meditate or when you practice uh, mindfulness activities, what you're doing is you're training your nervous system. That's why as you practice those activities, they become easier for you to do and your body enters the state more rapidly. So what Apollo does is as you use Apollo, it stimulates your body into the safety response. It's actually training your nervous system to be calmer. And so what we see over time is that people's heart rate variability improves. And in addition, uh, people use the Apollo in such a way that they get the effects more rapidly and they don't necessarily need to use it quite as often in order to get the effects. And so what we've seen from over a thousand beta testers is that people do not become dependent on Apollo. Uh, it was actually developed by uh, Dr. David Rabin, who is a PhD in neuroscience and a board certified psychiatrist who focuses specifically on people with um, treatment resistant uh, PTSD and addiction. Um, so the device and software system were developed specifically to empower people to take control um, and have more agency over, and more ability to um, empower them to take control over their own health rather than to make them dependent on another tool. So what if what if you have someone that uh, gets stressed many many times in the day? Uh, does this does Apollo still work for people like that, or is it people that have more occasional stress like? What is, how does the device work at the extremes? Someone that doesn't really need it or someone that needs it constantly? So what we have found is that um, everyone benefits from using the Apollo. So we um, did a study at the University of Minnesota with 40 NCAA athletes. Um, and in general, athletes at that caliber have higher HRV and are pretty well regulated as compared to the average person. Um, just because they're very physically fit, they watch what they eat, they try to get regular sleep, and their bodies are, you know, very important to them and how they function. It's a key, key part of what they do. And what we found in that study is those with lower HRV, so whether they were uh, overtrained or had less sleep, actually had the greatest benefit from using Apollo. Um, and so, but we saw HRV improve with those athletes. And so anybody can use Apollo and get benefit from it. Sim similarly to anybody could use meditation and get benefit from it. Um, but Apollo works um, very well for people who have constant stress. So entrepreneurs, uh, people who work um, in tech, people who work physicians, I've had quite a few physicians who use this device when they work in the ER or in acute situations. Um, and the reason that they're using the Apollo is because Apollo gives them greater presence um, and ability to make uh, clearer choices and perform better because they do not get overwhelmed by the stress and allows them to sustain their focus and attention through stressful events. And so people who are very stressed get a great benefit from Apollo. They, they sleep better. We get great reports back. But we've also seen that people who you know, are just, uh, you know, say they have good control over their stress, also see physiological benefit from it. Well, what do people tell you they experience, literally, 
they'll feel so, stressed, they'll feel a vibration, and what like what, what do they report happens to them? So we have pretty consistent results across um, ages of people. Our predominant users are between about 35 and 55. Um, that's also the folks that tend to use early tech. Um, but consistently, people report that they fall asleep faster, um, and we can watch that in terms of their biometrics, that they fall asleep much quicker. Um, and we also see that people feel calmer at work. Um, so people say that they use it at work to focus better um, and to get more work done. Uh, so for instance, you have a bunch of emails coming in and you have your phone buzzing, but you have a task that you were trying to get done that allows them the presence to get that task done and not to get distracted by all the other things that are coming in, um, which is really empowering for a lot of people. And people also report that they just get way better sleep and they feel way better, uh, less stressed, more present, um, and that, you know, they're better, they're better rested and can perform better. It's amazing. What, what was your journey in creating this? I should have asked you in the beginning. Oh, sure. So, uh, so David Rabin um, was the co-founder of the technology at the University of Pittsburgh. And my background is tech transfer. So my background is getting technology out of the lab and into the hands of the people. Prior to living in Pittsburgh, I worked at the Energy Research and Development Authority in New York, working on a $20 million fund to help accelerate early technology. Uh, and so David and I uh, are, are married now. Um, I was working on the project with him when he was just developing it at the university in the lab. And he had promising results and the university was very interested in helping accelerate his commercialization. So he reached out to me to help him formulate um, initial pitches and to get non-dilutive funding to run the clinical trial. And I was more than happy to. Uh, so I helped them raise, uh, you know, raise the non-dilutive funding in the beginning uh, to run the clinical trials. But then I pretty much walked away from the project. I was like, okay, you guys run the clinicals and we'll see what happens. And then he came back with the results and they were astounding, right? Particularly for a first pilot trial of double blind randomized crossover trial that he ran, he saw that he could improve heart rate variability substantially by two to three times people's average within three minutes. Uh, and we found that people were performing cognitively on a stress task up to 25% better. I mean, they're getting up to 25% of the questions, more questions right. And so I looked at that and said, this thing could really help a lot of people. Um, and that's how Apollo was born. Can you combine this with meditation or combine this with relaxation techniques to make it even better? Or what, oh, you know, yes, How do you absolutely. use this thing best? So Apollo can be used independent of meditation practices. So a lot of people will use it um, when they can't do those things. Um, and the real premise of the idea of why to use touch was that a lot of people have a really hard time learning to meditate or learning to um, deep breathe or engage in those activities. And it's hard to do those some, sometimes when you need to be doing something else, right? So like if you need to be working and you're stressed out, it's hard to meditate in the middle of or do deep breathing in the middle of trying to get whatever work it is that you're trying to get done, done. And so the premise of the development was to help people access those states when they can't be in a mindful setting, right? They're in a crazy office building or whatever it may be. But that said, we have done a study. Um, they just wrapped subjects at the University of Pittsburgh in a uh, trial um, with um, non-meditators and meditators um, where they measured uh, people's brains by EEG. And what they found was that the non-meditators' brains looked like the meditators' brains um, within about 12 minutes. 
And what that was meaning is that it helped people feel safe and calm. And when you feel safe and calm, it's easier to reach meditative states. So we have seen people use this in conjunction with meditation to get really promising results and to access meditative states more regularly and to ascend through meditative states faster. So it's like it could be used as a biofeedback device to get you on the right uh, path wherever you're trying to go. So Apollo works, um, has the same, we have shown that Apollo works in terms of getting the same benefits of biofeedback, but you don't need to have, you can use it anywhere, right? You don't need to have a visual stimulus for your body to do it. It stimulates the body and you can enter into one of those mindful states. So what it really does is a lot of people, particularly when they're trying to ascend through meditative states or when they are just learning, which is a lot of people, um, when they're just learning to meditate and be present, um, they have a hard time sticking with it because the intrusive thought center, which is normal, and instead of like letting them go, which is the thing you have to learn to do, instead of doing that, they focus, oh God, here's another intrusive thought, right? And what Apollo does is it helps make the, help the body be calm, which helps you clear your mind. Uh, and so people are more, more, more able to enter a meditative state more quickly because they are calmer to start. Okay. And if they get interrupted by these thoughts, it kind of uh, <clears throat> helps to suppress them or reduce the stress surrounding them so you can stay in a I meditative helps, state or successfully meditate. It gives people more agency and more control. So when the intrusive thought comes in, rather than feel that anxiety or annoyance and irritation about the thought, it just comes in and then is let go because the person themselves is calmer. And what I liken this to is if you had a bad day and someone cuts you off in traffic, you're much more likely to be reactive and annoyed about that than if you're having a pleasant day driving home from the farmer's market on a Sunday. Then if somebody cuts you off, you're much like less likely to react because you're calmer. And therefore, it's going to take a lot more to make you upset than when you're already stressed out. So what Apollo does is it makes it easier for your body to be calm to begin with. And as a result, you have more control and more presence. And so you can focus better and you can sleep better. And it makes it easier to meditate. Okay. And then um, is, is it commercially available? Is it uh, where can you get the Apollo? So Apollo's beta has, so we've used it on about a thousand people. We've run several clinical trials. The beta is now closed, but Apollo will be on the market in fall 2019. And if people go to apolloneuro.com, so that's A-P-O-L-L-O-N-E-U-R-O.com, they can uh, sign up and be put on the list for the fall release notification. Very cool. And do you find that people will use this all day and all night, or they'll just use it for a period of time during the day? So what we've seen is that people use Apollo pretty intentionally. So they'll wear the device. It's pretty non-obtrusive. You can wear it on your wrist or you can wear it on your ankle, but they'll use it for a purpose, which is unlike other wearables, which are passively tracking data, Apollo can be used for a specific goal. So people will use it to work. I think that's a primary use, in the, particularly in the afternoon when people are falling asleep rather than drink another cup of coffee, which disrupts your sleep. People will use Apollo instead. Um, and that really helps them get like peak use around 4 or 5 p.m. to help get them through the end of the day. And then people use it uh, quite a bit to help them fall asleep. And so what I see is people using it um, at the 8 o'clock time frame, 8 to 10 o'clock, to help kind of unwind and help them fall asleep. Um, and I see extraordinarily high engagement. We have several hours of use a day by most users. 
um, who are using it specifically to help regulate their circadian rhythms, uh, regulate their sleep, uh, drink less caffeine, drink less alcohol, so that they can just regulate their energy without drugs. You know, in, in having so many people use it, what kind of insights have you gotten? What's, what surprises you about the product and its use that you didn't anticipate when you first started doing this? I think what is most refreshing for me is that I see so many different kinds of people get benefit from Apollo. So I'll see adolescents, you know, kids in school will use it to help them focus and get through their tests. And I'll see older people using it to help them have more energy in the afternoon. And I'll see a big predominance of people using it at work. So many people tell me that they use this thing at work to help basically control stress, make it so it's easier for them to focus, and they just feel better. And I think what is the most unique thing, particularly when things come out of a lab, is you very rarely see clinical trial results, real world data results, and what people say they subjectively, what they feel, all line up. And with Apollo, what has been really interesting is that we did the lab trials, and then when people used it in the real world, we saw people get the same results we saw in the lab, and not only in their biometrics, but also in how they felt. So when someone tells me, I feel way calmer and I can focus better, if you look at their biometrics, their heart rate came back down to normal, their heart rate variability went up. So it's really great to be able to see that we have now entered a, a state of technology where you can track someone's body and track what they're, what they're trying to do and show the health benefit over time without having to be in a hospital, without having to be in a lab, and to really empower people to see, to one, take control of what they're doing without, without being reliant on drugs to make it so that they can power through the day, but also that they can track it and see for themselves that their, their health is improving over time. Yeah, that's cool. It's not just anecdotal, but you have biometrics to uh, back it up. That's great. Right. The data is key. Apollo is a data-driven device. The whole development was, let's see how this thing works um, before we push it out, because so many of the technologies that come out are, and I, you know, as an entrepreneur, I understand it. You have to be, get out and get into the market. But for us, we really wanted to validate clinically that Apollo would uh, really deliver real benefit to people. And when we saw that it did, we decided as a group that we needed to get this out and to help people because chronic stress is killing people and people are having a really hard time focusing and the narrative needs to change because it's not just a top down. If I just get a hold of my stress, then if I just do all of these things, just this narrative of the wellness economy, you know, if you just do all this yoga, you'll feel better. I mean, it's true, but we're here to provide a tool to make all of those things easier. Well, very good. So people can go to apolloneuro.com, and uh, that's the best way for them to follow up and get on the early bird list. That's right. We'll be on the market in fall 2019. That's great. Well, Kathy, thanks for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for the time. I appreciate you having me. You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, 
there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. FutureTech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you.